I'm speaking on a theme today which is not the obvious one for a sunny August day, but it's trying to make sense of the maze of emotions that come when loss and grief, in whatever way, strike our hearts. And this is a message for then and now. It's a message for those of us who are going through it now and those of us who surely will in different ways later on. And it's a message for how we can come closer to those who are going through mills of whatever kind. And I'll be looking at far more than just literal bereavement. We'll be looking at loss of all kinds. And as a starting point, I'd like to take these verses from Ecclesiastes 7. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. They're not verses that will readily appeal to a generation where pleasure and entertainment are everything. But if you look at Jesus' life, he was so often to be found around people's homes at times of the greatest loss and mourning. He was always ready and willing to give himself to people who were hurting. Look what he did at raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. Or as a result of his grieving with Martha and Mary for Lazarus. And we may not all have recently seen the widow of Nain's son raised up or hungry crowds fed who've been with Jesus for three days, but there are no limits to the power of his compassion. But when enough pressures come our way, it's enough to make us begin to say, as even Mary of Bethany, Jesus' great friend, said, Lord, if you'd been around, Lazarus wouldn't have died. So the first thing I want to really make so clear, we all know it on a Sunday morning, but it's for the whole of the week, the whole of our life. The first thing I want to highlight is God's awareness of what people are going through and his willingness to help. I'll start with a couple of verses from the Old Testament that Ros will read. I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt all the troubles, hardships and humiliations that they have received at the hands of their slave drivers. I have heard them crying out because of all of this. I know how much they are suffering and I am concerned about it. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. When the Lord is concerned about something, he moves in response to it. And now from Isaiah 63. In all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. His love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. 
Let's hear that again in another version. The people had many troubles, but he was not against them. He loved them and felt sorry for them, so he saved them. He sent his special angel to save them. He picked them up and carried them, just as he did long ago. Some of you will probably have read Hannah Hernard's book, Heinz Feet on High Places. And there's a chapter called The Valley of Loss. And the shepherd, who is a very simple allegory of Jesus himself, just says that this is one of his favorite places for meeting people. His tenderness is realist to us in times of loss. You've probably known times when verses from the scriptures, perhaps particularly the Psalms, have really spoken to you at your time of greatest need. There are so many issues in life that cause loss. And the psychologists tell us that by far and away the greatest loss, even above that of a suicide in the family, is the death of a child, the loss of a baby. It's not something that we've experienced ourselves, but we have been through five miscarriages. Each time we really thought that the baby was well and truly embedded and safe. And it turned out not to be the case and the pregnancy didn't last. Praise God. Yes, we have Ruth, we have Tim, we have Dominic. But there was grief for the other five. There is grief at the same time balanced by the incredible knowledge that they are there with the Lord himself. And my goodness, all of us need grace when something unexpected happens. David gets back to his camp at Ziklag and discover that raiders have been and taken not only his wife and family, but that of all his men swept away. And one of my favorite verses in the Bible is when it simply says that David strengthened himself in the Lord at a time when it would have been so easy to have just fallen to pieces completely. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And we rejoice in that. But there are times when you can take a verse like that and think, oh, well, that's just a matter of bracing yourself and beefing up your spiritual muscles and all's hunky again. And Christians find it very difficult to realize that grief is often a process that we have to walk through with the Lord. When a major bush, shrub, or something is taken out of a flower bed, it leaves a hole behind. And it takes time before something new comes through. We get a bucket full of new experiences. And we have the appetite restored, the energy restored, the direction restored. It takes time. And we have to allow ourselves and others the time to walk through that grief One of the kindest things that we can do is first to go to the house of mourning because people need especially our presence during times of loss. And then the grace just to let them have the time to do it because it always seems to be the case 
that we initially show compassion for people, but then think they should have got over it. And very often the person is taking longer to get over it than we think they should. And so we become inadvertently a source of extra pressure to them by being a bit too jollying them along and you should have got over it by now. Grief takes as long as it takes to get over, but trauma, if I can make this distinction, is an imposition on the soul that we need to lift off in prayer and to crane off perhaps with counselling, perhaps with special help, but trauma is an imposition on the soul and that we do need to take authority over because it induces shock and it retains shock in the system at the very time when the Lord wants to begin to let a genuine grief process come through that will take us deeper in himself. I was interested to discover that the word bereavement comes from old Dutch and German words, beraubum, which means to plunder or take by force. And that's helpful to remember because all forms of grief are a response to having something precious snatched from us, sometimes very forcibly. And as we all know, it's the ones that come suddenly that are the most painful to cope with. Again, to go back to that verse from Isaiah, in all our distress, the Lord is distressed. We do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us therefore hold firmly to the faith we profess and approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. It was prophesied in Isaiah 53 that Jesus would be a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. In the following chapter of Hebrews from where Ros was reading, we read that during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. <laughs> 